Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today's guest is Jeff Wu. Jeff is an entrepreneur and investor, and he thinks about compounding technology systems and organizations, studied computer science, information theory, and distributed systems at Stanford University and graduated with honors in distinction. He is interested in the science of human performance and nutrition and founded HVMN, Health via Modern Nutrition. Extending longevity while improving day-to-day performance is the ultimate personal compounder. To change and master our environment, let's start with changing and mastering ourselves. All right, this is off of Jeff Wu's bio on his website, and it's, it's absolutely fantastic, but it doesn't tell you much about Jeff. I mean, quick background. I like getting into the background of everybody on the show. And after having Michael Brandt on, the other co-founder of HVMN, one of my favorite companies in the world, uh, learned a little bit about Jeff through Michael and then got to meet Jeff about a year ago, close to a year ago, I guess or maybe it was two months ago, and I podcasted with Michael a year ago. Jeff figured it out on the podcast, and it was fucking longer than we thought it was. So <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Uh, I'm very impressed with both Jeff and Michael's backgrounds at Stanford, um, down the street from where I grew up, and very impressed with what they're doing right now. They have one of the greatest company, supplement companies on the planet, HVMN, which has a $6 million contract with the Department of Defense, U.S. Special Operations Command. Uh, they're fucking doing it and they're doing it with the best of the best in the entire world. Um, they're working with some of the best doctors that I've had on this podcast, like Dr. Dominic D'Agostino um, and many others that are deep into the, into the field of ketogenic diets and how ketosis can be used under all sorts of different combat situations and, and, and circumstances. And one of the things that Dr. Dominic or Dom points out is that for some reason, the ketogenic diet attenuates a lack of sleep. And that's really fucking cool that it actually can help mitigate lost sleep if you're getting up, you know, in the middle of the night uh, on a fire truck, if you're working late night on the beat as a cop, whatever the thing is, if you're doing something that that is incredibly taxing in the middle of the night, this could be an answer to that. This could be a very good answer for uh, being able to have energy when you need it and and not feeling like shit the next day when you got to get up on three or four hours of sleep. So we dive into a lot of the science, the new stuff, stuff that's that's uh, just coming to the surface right now, where where ketones are headed, where they've been, and really Jeff's background, because uh, he's a fascinating dude, and uh, I love what these guys are doing. Check them out at hvmn.com slash kkp and use promo code kkp at checkout for 20% off. Support the show by sharing it with a friend. Word of mouth is the name of the game. It's how I built up all the buddies, everybody listening right now. Obviously, help me having the On It podcast to begin with. Um. But sharing the podcast far and wide with people you know that are interested in the subject matter. So any episode that somebody likes, share it with another person. You can leave us a five-star rating with one or two ways the show's helped you out in life. And that five-star rating, if it's a good one, we'll select it and you'll win. You'll win. It's, it's, not, a, it's not random. Uh, you write the best review each month and you're going to win my favorite prize from Organifi.com. They're going to hook you guys up. All year long, they're doing this once a month. And just leave your Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook handle if you're still on the book, and we'll get your goodies out to you. So those are a few different ways to help the show grow. Last but not least, check out our sponsors. They make this show possible. We talked to HVMN. They are the best in the ketone game. I remember when I worked it on it, I created a ketone supplement that was really damn good. And I was comparing it to the other products on the market using a a Precision Extra uh, from Abbott Labs ketone blood meter. And the HVMN ketone ester just out, it, it outscored anything that I had. It outscored every product that I took from powder, but hands down. And the powder stuff tastes a little bit better, but fuck it. I want performance. And if you want peak performance, you want the best of the best to work. The taste really doesn't matter at the end of the day. 
been running a lot of the HEMN ketones. I was laughing about uh, when I met up with Jeff at the farm because I was like, man, it's it's been a, I'm on a prescription, or a prescription. I'm on a subscription of three a month, and I'm like, I don't, I run through them so quick. I don't even know that I'm lasting two weeks with it. So I just doubled that up, and we'll see if that does the trick. Um, it's phenomenal stuff, and we dive into all the ways it's phenomenal. But you guys will get all that on this podcast. Um, look at our other sponsors. Look at hvmn.com/kkp. Kkp at checkout for twenty percent off everything in the store. We're also brought to you today by othership.us slash KKP. That's HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash othership.us slash KKP. Othership is your new mindfulness routine. With over 500 custom guided breathwork sessions, the Othership Breathwork app lets you assess and on lets you access an on-demand library of sessions to help you regulate your nervous system state. Othership sessions are science-backed and music-driven. So whether you have time to practice for one minute or 60, you will feel the emotional shift when you need it most. Breathe to the rhythm of powerful music with guidance from world-renowned breathwork facilitators to elevate your body and mind, decompress after work, energize to start your day, improve focus and performance, wind down for a deep sleep, or release negative emotions with the short exercises when you need them most. Our sessions are active rather than passive, so you're able to focus on your breath rather than drift back into a stressful or distracting thoughts. With breathwork, unlike meditation, you experience a visceral physiological shift right away. Rooted in ancient tradition, informed by modern science, and inspired by magic, Othership's meticulously curated guided breathwork practices are simultaneously playful, safe, and effective. We combine breathing techniques and guided meditations created by psychotherapists, wellness practitioners, hypnotherapists, artists and DJs, spiritual teachers, and life coaches. We're here to help keep you lifted through all of life's experiences. Check it all out. They've got the three main categories up, quick sessions to boost energy productivity in the morning in less than 10 minutes like a morning coffee replacement, down to unwind to dissolve stress, soothe anxiety, build a routine for deep rest and better sleep, and all around, release emotions and navigate life's transitions. Deeply transformative and then longer breathwork journeys are held in there as well. They're hosting a 31-day guided cold plunge challenge. And I can tell you right now, if you participate in something like that, it will change your life. Check out othership.us slash KKP and use the link for one month free on the Othership app. We're also brought to you by my homies at Buy Optimizers. Magbreakthrough.com slash Kingsboo is the web address. They have shortened the URL and it looks gorgeous. Hey guys, I want to share with you that I've recently been working on this very important project with a very short deadline, as always, right? It seems everything today is ASAP. Anyways, I've not been able to keep up with my self-care routine, so no meditation, no workouts, no breaks to have proper meals and on lots of coffee on top of that. This is completely true. I was starting to get really stressed out when I remembered that the magnesium breakthrough I take every night for sleeping better is also great support for stress management. In fact, magnesium is responsible for over 300 body reactions, and magnesium breakthrough is the only magnesium formula that delivers all seven different forms of magnesium, each with its unique benefits, one of them feeling more calm, centered, and in control of our stress levels. So now I'm taking magnesium breakthrough in the morning to counterbalance the stress from coffee and to calm my nervous system for the day. Since I started, I've noticed a significant improvement in my overall sense of well-being. If you're also trying to balance life's demands, give it a try. Trust me, your mind and body will thank you. Visit www.magbreakthrough.com slash Kingsboo and order now. Oh, and in addition to this discount you get by using the promo code KINGSBOO in all caps, there are always amazing gifts with the purchase. That's why I love shopping at Buy Optimizers. Go now to magbreakthrough.com slash Kingsboo. Links in the show notes. Last but not least, we're brought to you by the homies at Analemma Water. Are you ready to unlock the true potential of your body and mind? Introducing Analemma Coherent Water, a revolutionary way to improve your health and well-being. 
Onalema has been clinically proven to significantly increase ATP levels, the mitochondrial energy of your body. ATP is directly responsible for powering the majority of cellular processes in all living beings. Increased ATP levels result in the improved athletic performance, enhanced cognitive function, improved cardiovascular health, and positively affect almost every area of human health. Furthermore, drinking Onalema water improves the state of your microbiome. This leads to improved digestion, enhanced immune function, reduced inflammation, improved mental health, and finally, a reduction in risk of most chronic diseases. Imagine having more energy, a healthier gut, a clearer mind, and a youthful body. With Onalema water, it all stops being a dream. Take the first step towards unlocking your true potential. Try Onalema water and revolutionize your life. Visit coherent-water.com. Every purchase comes with a 100% money-back guarantee, so you can literally taste the difference risk-free coherent-water.com. Join the water revolution. Now, I've absolutely loved this stuff. Um, since I got one of these, I heard Dolph, one of the founders on Living 4D, Paul Check's amazing podcast, and he dove deep into the science behind this technology and how water gets structured. And once you structure the water, how it, it never becomes unstructured with this device, which is really remarkable in comparison to some of the other things on the market. Also, it's cheaper than many of the other devices on the market. It's extremely convenient to use. I mix in every one of our waters, my entire family. I, I, I sing a little song to it. Uh, thank the spirit of the water. Tell it I love it. and that I'm for, Thank you for nourishing our bodies. Thank you for restoring our bodies. And thank you for holding the memory of water as it enters our bodies. The intelligence of water is running through us. And as I speak to the water, I speak this in and I stir it. There's actually a point in time where the water becomes coherent and the stirring changes. And everyone I talk to agrees. It's the same fucking thing. It's, it's almost like the viscosity changes and you will taste the difference. I fucking guarantee it. There's no two ways about it there. You, you stir for 15 seconds per liter. That makes a whole minute for me with my big ass Yeti gallon, but usually about 15 seconds for every member of my family. And that's not long. It's not long to taste the difference. It's not long to see and feel the difference in how you're swirling this stick in the water actually changes it. So check it all out. They've got a, they got a whole house unit. It is sold out, highly, highly sought after, but check out there. You can see um, secondary batch pre-order list on the, on the Analumba website is up. Um, check it all out. Coherent-water.com. Use code KKP for 10% off everything in the store. That's coherent-water.com and use KKP for checkout. 10% off everything in the store. And without further ado, my brother, Jeff Wu. All right, y'all, we're at the farm. Jeff Wu's in the house, co-founder of HVMN. Uh, we had Michael Brandt on, I think, two or three months ago. Apparently, the team checked. It was like a, mo- like a year ago. No shit. So it's been a long time. I and mean, we hung up, I think, in person two, three months ago. Last time I was out in Austin. Hit a little work at the Onnit gym. And that was two or three months ago. Yeah. See, shit flies. <laughs> yeah, times fly when you're having fun. But like, you were telling me about this property, and now we finally got the tour. Yeah, so, okay. It's amazing. I mean, I think you're talking about how all the energy healers and you were reading the land and it's just like, I don't, I don't have any of that skill set. but I think you're just out here. You're like, wow, there's a lot of thought, tender love and care put in the land. It's cool. Like this is going to be an awesome success. It's going to be a, Oh yeah, brother. everyone's got to check it out. And that's the thing. Like you can talk about it. It's another thing where there's like a, there's a visceral feeling here, you know, and you don't have to be a, you know, light worker or whatever the fuck you want to call yourself. You don't have to have any of these credentials. When you come here, if, it, if, it, if it's palpable and you can feel it, like you go to Sedona and you're like, Oh, something's different here. You know, I don't know much about Vortexes, but there's a different feel to the land when I'm there, right? Yeah. And that's what we're trying to cultivate here. So super happy I could bring you out here um, and give you guys the tour. Michael had a blast going on the tour last time and, yeah. and he didn't get to see see it where it is now. You know, like every year it just gets better and better. So that's really cool. That 
I mean, I think friends like yourself, I feel like really opened me up towards spirituality and something that is like not scientific. I just grew up not religious. My parents came from communist China. So it was like not really religion in our family. Talk about that actually, because I've read different things, you know, I mean, people read all sorts of shit about, you know, social credit and all that. And that's a separate story. But from a spirituality standpoint, I've heard that there's some mix of Christianity, Taoism, and Confucianism in China or some play on one of the three. Is that it? Or is it mostly now just modern fucking world and all that shit's on the back burner? I mean, I think there's, I I think what is like technically classified as traditional Chinese folk religion, right? Like there's like these mythology stories, like these equivalent to saints, these like historical characters that are kind of mythological. And I think there's a couple like dominant uh, philosophical schools like Confucianism, which is like very, you know, respecting ancestors, like a very strict hierarchy, you know, the emperor, the father, the mother. So I think a lot of these philosophical contracts have emerged into, I would say, you know, like Chinese American culture where like people very value much education and, you know, being with their family, taking care of their grandparents. So I think some of the positive- home, yeah. Exactly. I think some of those positive attributes come from some of these like philosophical schools. Um, And I think you have just, but I I, I think there's not like- (sighs) Probably like not like a very strict traditional like top town religious contracts within I think my understanding of Chinese civilization. You're not born into it at this stage of, of where especially yeah. when when the communist revolution happened, or it's just like you know the communists took over and like there was like a cultural revolution like reset. So all the traditional things were thrown out, like the educated people were thrown out. They're like you know marched around with cone heads. Um, my grandparents were like principals and educators. So I think they were kind of caught in that purge in a little bit, but mm. it sounded like there were some students in the red army that like looked up to them. So like they didn't get super hazed. Um, but I remember like just growing up and my mom telling me stories when she was like 15, She everyone got kicked out of school and they all got sent down to the farmland to learn how to be a proletariat farmer and like yeah. reset culture. So all the religion, obviously like the communist ethos is, you know, no religion. We're going to all just be this, you know, commune essentially yeah um it's so that's kind of my how, backdrop yeah, yeah, yeah i'm fascinated by it i, me- I remember um was it yomi park yeah went on from uh from north korea uh went on rogan's and that was a brilliant i'll link to that in the show notes if you haven't heard it, it's a must listen um it's not something pe- i don't think people in america really wrap their heads around it's, you only really hear old farts talking about it you yeah. know like the the cold war or you know cuban missile crisis or any of these different things where you're like why are we so worried about communism? You know, it was just like, an, it just, it, there was a, a disconnect from my generation to what other people lived with and experienced as a true fear. Yeah. And then now, oddly enough, you see, you know, some like the great reset and some of these ideologies come through that actually partner and pair really well with communism, socialism, those kind of things. Yep. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, I can see. There's like, almost like a, uh, I don't know if it's never ending, but there's a, there's a consistent, you know, backdrop into trying to play with different models of humanity, yeah. right? And, like, and then what is that ideology? You know, it could be from Marxist ideology or from different things, but like it is a part of the ecosystem of how humans think and what we think would be the best possible way to to govern and work with this many people on the planet. I mean, I think it comes from like a good heart, right? Like, I don't think people are like, hey, I'm going to be the evil dictator, but it's like, okay, like we want to have everyone being equal and we're going to like have some smart, generous people figure out how to allocate resources amongst the people. And it's like, it's never worked in practice. And I think I'm almost resigned to the fact that, like to your point, I think these are just repeating cycles where every generation needs to learn its own mistakes. Like, hey, we think that communism wasn't implemented correctly. They can do it again now and we'll do it better. And it's like, I think that is going to be, and I think that happened with World War One, right? Like this is going to be the last war because so many freaking people died and it was like the most brutal war, 17 million people died. 
we're never going to have a war again. Fast forward another, you know, 30 years later, World War II. <laughs> and then there's always been like, you know, every decade's been a massive conflict. Yeah. Have, so, you, have you read The Fourth Turning or heard about it? Oh God, you fucking love that one. Yeah. They talk about 80-year cycles, you know, with, with four 20-year seasons. Yep. You know, and the season is the high, that's like the spring. The awakening is uh, the summer. The unraveling is the, the fall. And then the crisis period is the winter, yep. right? And so they, pred- they wrote this in the mid-90s and predicted that the next crisis period would start in 2005, give or take two or three years. Yeah. 2007 hits, 2008, you know, boom, we're right in it. Um, and they've marked, you know, any great civilization, they can map it. So we've gone, this is our fourth big turning. So we had, it started off with America and the Revolutionary War crisis period, then uh, Civil War, then World War II. And, and we're in the crisis period now, you know, that was marked with the 2008 housing crisis, COVID, all, and, and we're still in it for like eight, you know, until 2028, 2030. Yeah. So it's kind of like everything's been marked by big war. You know, you look at World War II and the Great Depression, you look at the Civil War, which is more American lives lost than any other war, all yeah. of the wars combined, and the Revolutionary War, which kicked things off. And it's it's like I don't I don't live in fear, but there's also like a, a very strong presence to say this shit could pop off, you know, in the next eight years in a way that that we <laughs> that most I've people aren't prepared about for. This, like, is that egocentric? Because like, hey, we think that we're alive today, we're in the most interesting time in history, or and is it egocentric, or is it actually objectively like very very rapid in, in terms of development? Right, like from COVID pandemic to banking crisis to, you know, potentially, you know, already a war in Ukraine and Russia and Mm -hmm. then just rising tensions with China. I think it is, I think objectively like a very interesting volatile time period, but I don't know, I'm I'm self-conscious of the fact that maybe we are just like, hey, we're egocentric. We're living in the most exciting time in history. I don't know. Like we'll see AI is happening. Like maybe, you know, DOD is saying that maybe there might be aliens out there. So, I mean, going back to the point, I feel like, you know, same time with like folks like you, like, and just building like friendships, I feel like, I've been much more open. So I grew up like, I think just very academically oriented, very scientifically oriented. If it didn't have a randomized controlled trial, it was bullshit. Um, but, but I think I just realized that we are very malleable, living, emotional creatures. And even like the sense of energy when you're in vivo with like great people in like a room when everyone's doing breath work or there's like an awesome music festival and like there's energy. There is something there that I don't know, like, how to best quantify in terms of like scientific metric. Yeah. But I think as emotional humans that respond to energy and it's seeing, you know, friends achieve a lot of things through manifestation. We're talking about a little bit about this. I've just become much more open-minded and wanting to be spiritual and tap into that in, in this notion of faith, because the scientific part of my mind says, Hey, even if it's a placebo effect, I will take that freaking free placebo because the placebo effect works. Yeah. But I think having that kind of sense of, hey, there is a bigger story, a universal story that we're tapping into. I think that kind of release of sovereignty to something bigger, I think is a, is a, is a comforting notion. I think if we're all just like, hey, we have 80 years, you're by yourself, you got to figure it out. And that's on your mind every single day. I think that is like a, very daunting task to be able to have to hold in, 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 through your lifetime. So having that, I think that yin and yang of pulling and pushing between having agency, being rational, being pragmatic, and then having some sort of spiritual grounding and like tapping to the emotion and the energy of good people. Um, I, I mean, I think part of, you know, wanting to spend more time in, in, with you is just tapping more in that school, more of that culture. And I think that 
in, in some ways, I think you, you seem very happy. And I think a lot of people in business who are just super techie are just not super happy people. And like, what is winning? Yeah. If it's like, hey, you want to like kind of maximize the integral of happiness and like a sense of achievement through your lifetime of, you know, the 80, 90 years that we, you know, hopefully get now, to Now, what is that metric? They're, they're, some of the interesting studies that I've loved are, are people in their deathbed, you know, or they interview all these people on their deathbed and they ask him, well, what, what, if you could change, you know, five things about your life, what would it be? Yeah. You know, and then almost universally, they all have a very, very, there's, maybe there's six of them, right? But they're all saying, I wish I spent more time with friends. I wish I spent more time with family. I wish I invested more in relationships rather than my work. Like there's a pretty common thread that's told at the end of life with a lot of people. And I think, you know, all of us to some degree were brought up, whether, you know, uh, our grandparents came here or it was great, great granddad or whatever the fuck that is that like, here's the land of opportunity. Make, make, make yourself what you're going to make for yourself. But that takes hard work and people get caught into, and I don't know if it's salvationist theory through, through Christian ideology or something else, but it's like, I'll be happy when is an okay thing to live with, right? If I bust my ass now, when I retire, I'll get to do what I want then. I'll be happy when I have X, Y, and Z. I'll be happy when I have X amount of of money and I've got a white picket fence or whatever the fucking thing I was told to get. You know, and most people more and more waking up to the fact that they're like, no, I don't think that's correct. You know? Yeah, I don't want to make that trade. I want to trade my life for money (laughs) and then live on for like two days out of the week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what, what can I do now that's going to be more appealing to me that, that I can stretch and, and feed myself with day in and day out uh, while still doing the shit that I love, you know? I think that's, that's, uh, there is a cultural shift there that's, that's pretty cool to see. So let's, let's dive into you. Um, you know, both you and Michael, uh, well, maybe it was just you, graduated with honors from Stanford, is that correct? Yeah, honors and distinction, meaning that I was good at taking tests and did like an honors thesis. Yeah, a computer science guy. By that's, bad, that's badass. And uh, I mean, have, having been an ASU dropout, I just have mad respect for... for you're a professional <laughs> athlete, so you're crushing the athletic world. I was like literally pulling all-nighters in the dorm room, coding operating systems and network switches and C and C++. So... Did you always, I mean, coming from that background, you know, obviously there's, there's an emphasis on statistics and like, is it provable and the scientific method? Um, when did you feel like this drive towards human performance and like being the best possible version of yourself? Because that's something that drives you now. It's not just on the individual level, but yeah. like, how, how do we increase and optimize a human in a, in a job setting where that then changes the whole fucking workflow and actually yep. changes the scope of the business, right? So like, you're thinking about this on multiple levels, but where did that itch first come from? I mean, it started off very rational and competitive. So I was always good at taking tests. Like I was very good at taking multiple choice tests. So I think a random factoid was that I scored the highest SAT score in the country as an eighth grader. Ding. So I got like a 1590 <laughs> out of 1600. And it was like, I, I won some award. And I, I think as a, I, I think they like Pepperdine University was going to give me like a, scholarship to start college as a ninth grader. And my parents were like, nah, like, like that, I don't, that doesn't make sense. Um, so when I got interested in biohacking human performance was really being in Silicon Valley and realizing that there was a parallel of outcome and economic success being the number one player versus number two. For example, right? If you're Uber, you're literally like a 10 times bigger company and you, hit, you create 10 times more value for your employees and, and, your, and your investors than Lyft. I mean, if you're number one social network, like a Facebook versus like a MySpace, MySpace is like dead. Mm-hmm. So I think with technology, you get these parallel distributions of value. So, but then you, you like, I, I just had like friends working at these companies and you just realize that like the amount of smartness and intelligence or, or, or savviness is not that different. 
is like one more insight or one little extra push and one little feature that pushed it over to be number one. So the incremental amount of work to be number one or number two, and just like in the athletic world, right? Like when you win a fight, it's like, you got, you know, timing luck. You, you, you got to choke that. Yeah, like, split second faster. Or, yeah. It's like one of those things where it's like the, the difference of skill and dedication is so slim, but the outcome is so fucking different. Like you're the champion, you're a loser. Um, so that was my mindset back in, uh, you know, so like I, I started a company right out of school, sold that company to Groupon. So I had a small exit, I, you know, right before I turned 24, had resources and time to start exploring. And I was really focused on this notion that, hey, if I can, I just need to be a little bit better than everyone else and I can be a billionaire. So how do I, and I, and I literally had friends are, you know, founding some of the biggest companies and are billionaires. So I'm like, okay, this is possible. Uh, like kind of the Stanford American dream, Silicon Valley dream era. This was like 20, early 2010s. Um, so I was like, okay, like, uh, I think in the modern landscape, I think, you would probably crushed, you know, the world when, you know, when like we were competing on like who could like provide the most in terms of like food and family and, and being a warrior. But I saw in the modern context, it was like an economic war, right? Not to say that like, I, I think you're super smart, but like, I think primarily, like, I think like the dominant competition set, one of the forms is like, how do you build a better business than other people? So to me, it's like, okay, like just like you compete in sport, how do you find advantages, techniques, training to sharpen your body and mind for athletic competition? What is a parallel analog to sharpen your mind for an economic battle? So that got me down that rabbit hole of nootropics. And I think that journey of just like looking at the RCTs and the animal data and the human data on like Russian Alzheimer drugs, like Nupef, the Rastam, mm-hmm. there's all these things I was ordering. I remember like, deep diving the Rastam family yeah, and playing like, around yeah, and my I was, own little and, guinea pig. And I was just like, and I think at the time, I'm not sure, I haven't been, but I was like buying Chinese or Russian chemical, uh, research chemicals from like Alibaba, right? Just like importing like bags of powder and then getting like the micrograms drug scales <laughs> and mixing my own powders. Yeah. Um, so that was me. I was just like experimenting with stuff, seeing if it felt subjectively anything or um, it, it, could I get eke out a little bit more performance, a little bit more endurance, a little bit more resilience. But I think through that journey of being like very self-focused, I just ran into and met just like really, I, I, I think that you either come into this world from like wanting to be the best, probably like from your perspective, being like a high performance athlete or being very, very sick. Right? Like some of the mm-hmm. most interesting folks I've experimented with, alternate methodologies and in, 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 in healing or in performance have come from just like literally the Western medical system failing them. Yeah, Mark Sisson, a lot of people that I look up to in the keto space and, and uh, you know, ancestral living, Rob Wolf, you know, they started raw vegans and, it, and it's, you know, there's a few people on the planet maybe that can do that yeah. long-term, but like they they'd really were destroyed and came in from like just being annihilated yeah. uh, health-wise to yeah. like really start to gain what is going to work for me, you know, and figure that out. Yeah, exactly. So I think, like meeting like just good people that were just all searching for truth, all searching for a better methodology to live. I think just really opened the aperture of, hey, like this human performance just for myself is, I mean, I think having some self-motivated goals is fine, but I think there's like a much larger interesting purpose around just like figuring out like how to live a well-lived life in, in which like being healthy, being sharp is a huge part of that. And I think going back to having that tribe of people like how do you spend time with good people and like build projects with them and create things together? So I think what motivates me a lot now is that I have 
these projects that give me excuse to like come hang out with you, right? Like, and to the point, like, how do you make a living like just doing stuff that you would love to do anyways? Yep. So in yeah, some you got sense, to work out with Tim Kennedy yesterday. Yeah, like, so <laughs> just like get to work out with badass dudes and just learn, like you know, and, and just hang out and it just. So in a lot of sense, I've just like molded a lot of my, you know, you have to, not to make it overly cheeky and, and cute, but like you have to build out a very thoughtful infrastructure, how to keep everything moving and going, right? Like there is a end of the day, a business model to make sure that like you can keep the lights going and and, and, and have the resources to build and, and scale. We had a dairy farmer yesterday that, that kept saying, she kind of sounded like a... Uh, Ernest from Ernest Goes to Jail. You know, she's like, know what I mean? She kept saying, know what I mean? Yeah. She's like, at the end of the day, you got to eat, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's it. That's it. And it's all good. We all got to eat. And and I think, to me, I, I think the way I think about it now is that no one's going to give you the resources to allocate how you want to create something. Right? Like no one said, hey, Kyle, you're you're the best person ever. You get to have 120 acres out here and build out like this amazing property. No, you had to like prove it, earn it, learn about it, scrap together the resources, uh, inspire people to come support and help. And to me, it's like, we are all on that journey to earn the right to allocate more and more resources, right? Because mm -hmm. I think you have this property, you can have multiple other properties, you know, maybe you have a million people coming to, you know, the programs. Um, and we, like, no one's giving that to us. We need to earn the right to allocate resources and, 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 and wield the influence that we have. So a lot of my focus now is, how do I earn the right every single day to have team members, have resources, have capital to allocate? That's like, what I think about yeah, a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a very interesting uh, and insightful way of looking at things, you know, especially from a business perspective, right? Yeah. So I've, I've thought uh, along the lines of just what do I, you know, Paul Check is one of my mentors, talked about this, you know, from a lifestyle design standpoint, you know, how much money would you earn in an hour? Like very practical shit, you know? And then if you made that, how, how, how many hours would you actually work? Because you could work yourself to death and make all this money and not have any time to spend it or any fucking joy in it, yeah. you know? But like really getting clear on that. And I, I pride myself now that I'm paid to learn. Like I'm paid to learn and implement, not just regurgitate a bunch of fucking facts, but actually embody the things that I'm trying on and, and regurgitate that from my own personal experience and to continue to have great podcast with excellent people that gets me to travel and gets me to meet more experts and more people that I want to be around. Yep. You know, so that, that's cool because you can think about, you know, end results and then backtrack. All right, what, how do I get there now? But with, with the, models that you're, the models that you're using are really cool because it's, it's thinking outside the box in ways that most people aren't. And it's still in a way that you're, you're, you're working on net positives. You're working on win-win, you know, uh, metrics for everybody that's involved with, yep. right? Like Daniel Schmachtenberger talks a lot yep. about game A, yep. win-loss metrics. That's been the, the competitive model of humanity for, the, yep. for as, no, as long as we've had written history. And to shift that into game B or whatever we want to call that is necessary. We'd have to create win-win outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I think I, I just realized that life is too short to try to fuck people over. Like it's just actually stressful to like constantly pushing and, and this is like you know and i think this is like the philosophical side i we bring a lot of taoism as well as i think stoicism i think very eastern and, and western philosophy of a roman emperor and a chinese court official all like thinking about how to govern and master themselves in the in the in the world around them in a very chaotic time it's i think they converge in some senses that like flow with the with the stream right like there's some things that you cannot control and you gotta just be stoic about like the absurdity around us, but there are some things that you really care and are willing to die for. And, 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 and I think to me, it's like, how do you, like, where is that tribe of people that, you're, that are gonna be side by side with you fighting for a cause and a mission? Um, so in, in some sense, it's not like, hey, I, I'm like, 
you know, we're super granola hippie. Like, I think we're super ambitious, but it is finding a way where if we win, we all win together. I, I think yeah. just aligning value cr- created and captured, uh, it makes like life so much, and I think the business side of partnerships so much simpler because it's not like, hey, I, I'm gonna want more from you and you, we're gonna start fighting. No, no, like let's align all the energy on fighting on the outside because it's so fucking hard to make anything new anyways. Yeah. And if we're spending any energy like trying to grab from each other, there's some other team that's just much more aligned that's not internally fighting. That's gonna just eat your lunch. Yeah, they're gonna work as a team. It reminds me of uh, Mark Gaffney, who's a, a Jewish Kabbalistic mystic, awesome dude. He's been on the podcast. Um, my favorite book of his is The Erotic and the Holy. It's on Audible. It's a lecture series of him, you know, breaking down some of these core principles. One of the things he talks about in a different book is you have rollmate, which is like typical in relationships. You know, I go make the money, she folds the laundry and keeps the house clean and feeds the kids, whatever, you know, that's a standard rollmate. And then you, you transcend and include, you know, like Ken Wilber's model of consciousness. Transcend and include to get the soulmate, right? Like that's your person. That that's the person you're going to meet with, and and this works too outside of uh you know marriage and shit like that. Like this works on a business model, and then from what you're speaking about now, you transition from soulmate and include to wholemate, which is where you find your team, and the team is one that has a shared vision of the horizon. When you guys look out into the world, you see the same picture, and you have the same method of how you're going to go after it, and that's really important. Yeah, yeah, I think. I, and I think that part is actually very important to me because I think that when we get more and more busy, we have more responsibility. I think sharing projects is actually so important to have that real deep relationship. Because I think that some people, sometimes like, how do you make friends? It's like, I, I don't think a lot of busy people have time just for like friends that don't actually share overlapping interests and projects. Mm-hmm. So I think my hack around that is like, hey, let's just find low-hanging projects like work on together. So there's actually something that we are shared building to like have a baseline of a relationship. Otherwise, it's just like hard to be like, hey, like, I don't know, maybe I'll, you know, what you do like a once a quarter call. Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I like to just like round up, like we're, we're brothers or like, hey, like we'll just, we'll be friendly. But it's just like yeah. hard to keep in that in between. Yeah, you're finding brothers in arms, right? Yeah. Who, who am I going to be on the front lines with where we can go through something challenging together, create something together, be, give birth to something together. Yeah. Right. That's an important thing. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. 100%. So where did you, when you first, you know, you got into the Nootropics game, I did the exact same thing uh, somewhere towards the end of my fight career. I was hearing a lot about it, listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast with Dr. Dominic Diagostino, some of our mutual yeah. friends, you know, yeah, getting yeah. into ketosis, Peter Atia, guys like that. And um, really started just experimenting with um, different things. I had, I'd had uh, a decent amount of experience with plant medicine, but hadn't, didn't have a whole lot with nootropics. I loved Alpha Brain, you know, and so obviously that brought me to Aubrey and on it. Um, but that, that was just one little piece of the pie, right? Like, yeah. let me tinker with the neurochemistry. And you talk about biohacking. And, and I think that's a, it's a, it can be an overused kind of silly word. And it, and it can be something that returns you to basics that actually matter. You know, like you, you have a juve light. I have one. It's fucking awesome. And I'm outside in the sun every fucking day. I'm yeah. not going to use that in place of the sun, you know? So talk a bit, a little bit about um, some of the things that kept you into the human performance model that wanted you to drive you further into different aspects of it. Yeah, so... I think uh, I think it sounds like just very analogous parallel journeys. So I think Nootropics was really just like the the test bed, and there was just like this whole aperture of getting really into intermittent fasting and fasting. So around I think this was like on 2015 era, uh, Walter Longo out of USC had a mm-hmm. pretty seminal paper around you know fasting for longevity, and again just very self oriented at the time. Yeah, I, I want to live longer. Why not? Um, 
And we started off actually pretty hardcore. And I think there was not a lot of fasting literature back, you know, eight years ago. So me and a couple of buddies at HMN, we just did 72 hour fast, like just off the gun. Water only? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, so there, we were just like, the, we didn't know it. Like, it, like there was like OMAD and one meal a day or like uh-huh. whatever. We were just like, all right, like we kind of need to do long. And I think this was like based on like the, the equivalent of like a mouse uh, uh, studies that he was doing. So it was like pretty long for humans. Um, so we do Sunday night and then we would break fast together at Wednesday morning. And we would just, we just started doing that. Um, and long story short, like a lot of our friends in San Francisco in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley wanted to join us to do this fast. So we ended up actually running one of the largest, I think the largest intermittent fasting group in Silicon Valley. I think at the peak, we had like 80,000 people Damn. in like a Slack and Facebook group. And people were just like talking about like their fasting and people were hosting their own breakfast in New York and other cities. Um, and I think uh, subjectively, it was a great just mental discipline to realize that I think for folks that hadn't heard of fasting, I thought you would just die if you didn't eat for like a day. Like I was like, just like inculcated. I think when I was growing up, like don't skip meals, bad for you. Like, skin and bones. <laughs> I mean, I guess in, like in, back in, you know, like I guess, you know, if you're growing up in communist China, like like my parents were literally starving. And again, like, yeah, like, like we actually have food now. Like don't skip meals. So I was like very much back in that, like don't waste like a grain of rice. Um, so realizing that, hey, um, our mind and body are actually quite resilient. And actually, you know, as they were getting better keto adapted and actually getting into ketosis, um, feeling actually very sharp and clear on it, it just really kind of unlocked, hey, why is this working? How do I accelerate it? How do I hack this or improve this process of fasting? And that got me down that pathway of ketogenic diets and keto. And then around a similar time, around 2016, there was a seminal paper published out of an Oxford research group showing that exogenous ketones, ketone esters, could enhance athletic endurance performance in cyclists. And I happened to be going to Europe and I just stopped by the research group out in Oxford and realized that, hey, this technology was kind of just sitting and languishing on the lab bench. It actually originated from a, a 2003 DARPA program called Metabolic Dominance. So there's some military funding way back in the day. Uh, it was taking such a long time to bring up the scale, it was super expensive to manufacture. The, the classification as a food or a supplement or as a research chemical was still hazy. Um, and I realized that, you know, my skill set as an entrepreneur, as an engineer, uh, maybe we could partner together to really scale what I thought was like a very interesting technology into an actual uh, usable consumer product, right? Like this was like a research chemical on the lab bench when I saw it, like literally, uh, like, Oxford chemical uh, engineers were making this by hand from crude oil petroleum product. Uh, <laughs> what was the cost of it then? You told you mentioned that on calendar. Yeah, it was like twenty five hundred, twenty five thousand a dose. I mean, just like super expensive because it was again, uh, well, like so, like mo- like most organic molecules, right? Like like most organic molecules in like cosmetics and food are actually derived from crude oil, just purified processed crude oil, because crude oil is just decomposed dinosaur and plant matter. So it's the same carbon link chains. You just need to replace the hydrogens and the oxygens and the nitrogens around to form like the molecule that you actually want. Um, so that got me down the journey around, okay, if fasting is an interesting intervention and if the pathway of ketosis drives a number of the benefits of fasting, could you short circuit the hard work, the effort required to do caloric deprivation or 
uh, carbohydrate deprivation to get into ketosis, can you short circuit with a ketone beverage? And long story short, working with athletes, uh, receiving you know two multi million dollar military contracts through Special Operations Command, that that is proving out that yes, you can get a lot of the benefits of fasting through a ketone beverage, and in some instances, improve the physiology in a way that could not be uh, normally achieved. Yeah, I mean, you can't get it another way. That's something that I mean. There's one of the I read the Complete Guide to Fasting by Dr. Jason Fung. Yep. Um, and one of the takeaways from that book is that. Almost all forms of fasting, if you're doing them correctly, is are going to work. Yeah. You know, if you're doing 16-8, fasting for 16, eating for eight hours. Uh, if you, you know, do a 24-hour fast once a week. If you do, you know, just water for three or four days, right? Even Walter Longo's uh, Prolong, you know, which I'm not a huge fan of, but the fasting mimicking diet I am a fan of. So yeah. we'll make like a thousand calorie uh, ketogenic state shake where it's nutritionally at 80% fat, 10% carbs, 10% protein. Yeah. And... Um, and we'll run that for five days, you know, and like you see benefits for six to fucking 12 months just from doing that for five days. It's pretty gnarly, yeah. you know, that you can have some low hanging fruit like that. That's, 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 that's impressive. It's impressive to see that you guys have really taken something that I've been fascinated with. And not only have you been at the forefront of the research and really diving into, does this work? You, you know, who you guys are working with says a lot, like yeah. you're working with some of the best operators on the fucking planet to see if this works in the most real situation. That's something I loved about fighting probably the main thing I missed was when I stopped was that there was no greater test. You know, like if I, I, how does this work on my body? Let me try that. You know, when I hit the gym, it's like, cool. Let me try that when I'm sparring. You know, like, does that actually, does it actually influence when I spar? Does it actually influence when I, when I have somebody, um, not in a life or death situation, but when the stakes are high, Yeah, right? And they're at the highest stakes. And this is, I think part of like my transformation going from being much more open-minded towards like more like spiritual practices, because I feel like, a lot of the academics, and, and that was kind of my orientation, and we published, you know, been a co-author of a number of peer-reviewed papers within, you know, top metabolism papers. I, there's a like difference from like a professor telling you how metabolism works and how high performance works versus like, hey, you fought in a cage with like, the, you know, with like elite athletes or like you've been deployed downrange. And... I think through those conversations and like those N equals one case studies where, yeah, like what is a randomized controlled study? Like if it's like, a, you know, 10 average Americans who in this day and age are basically overweight, diabetic, pre-diabetic and using that as a sample, sample test bed. And we're talking about like elite athletes and operators as the test bed that we actually care about. How translatable is, are those protocols and metrics? So I think, realizing that there's a limitation of what science can do. And I don't think it's because like the, the scientists are dumb or, or they just like do not have like the resources or the funding or the access to the right people to actually test these things in like the specific context that I think the high performance side cares about. I think just started opening up the aperture that there are boxes where science really helps solve questions, where engineering solves questions. And there's other modalities that can answer like broader types of questions or like these N equals one, like anecdotal stories, which I, th I used to overly dismiss. I'm just much more open-minded to uh, learning and like listening and just like getting a sense of, which I think is like a very genuine real experience and like achieving like metrics that are, are not seeable before, right? Like Lance Armstrong doing like 500 watts of, on, on a bike for like hours at a time, like if we'd all done like a Peloton class, I just, you know, like, like doing 200, 300, that's like a sprint for like a normal person. He's like doubling a sprint for like 30, 40, 50 minutes. Like you can't run a randomized trial on like a normal 
average person and then translate it to like Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but it does kind of go back, right? If, you, if you're if you're tinkering with the best in the world, some of that stuff does trickle down, yeah. right? And I think that's that's one of the cooler things that I've drawn to. You know, fighting it was all about performance, and then as I retired, it almost immediately switched over to longevity, yeah. uh, healing, cognitive dysfunction, TBI, that kind of stuff. And plant medicines were great for that. But as really, I mean, listening to Ferris, 2014, he had Dominic D'Agostino on. Peter Atia, he had Jim Fadiman who wrote the Psychedelic Explorer's yeah. Guide and really, you know, broke down microdosing before it became a thing in Silicon Valley. Yeah, no, yeah. I think I think that's exactly the point where I think now, like the biohackers now, I think are, I've, I've seen that resurgence of that term where like, I think it was cool and then it was like not cool because it was like, oh, these like nerds, like geeking out, like they're not even like, they don't even look that fit. Like they're just idiots. <laughs> now I feel like it's coming back because like plant medicine, psychedelics are like literally the most popular research topic in academia now because of just the data that it works in ways that like PTSD, there's like not, there is no classic therapeutic that works for that. But there's a lot of success stories and anecdotes. And I think that is causing researchers to realize, hey, there is real results here. We need to update our language of science and the aperture of science to be able to account for drugs that or, or molecules that might be scheduled or research chemicals. So I think to your point, like it is like taking like the interesting observations in nature in situ and how do we actually then prove it out in a more randomized controlled in, in, in a reproducible way. So that, I think that's where it's like, okay. And I think that's a little bit of, I think where I've come to myself, which is like how that you have to know the rules of science and the principles of science, but don't be so arrogant to think that, you know, what was in a textbook defines everything that we know about human in, in the universe. Because that's probably what uh, Newton thought back in the 1600s when he invented calculus and classical physics. But obviously physics has changed a lot. So like, do we think that our modern understanding of biology is like the final page in a textbook? Hell no. So I think it's like, then where do we find inspiration to update that textbook? And I think it is like folks like yourself, just being at the bleeding edges. Some of some of the people on in the biohacking world are gonna be doing some completely dumb shit and like fuck themselves up for sure. <laughs> but like in that wilderness, people are gonna find uh, like very valuable paths that hopefully trickle down to the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's funny for me. I, I think when when Dave Asprey went on Rogan's and he was talking about how he lifts once every two weeks, and and Joe was like, "No, dude, no, no, no. <laughs> There's no fucking biohack where that works, you know." And you can you could tell, like, you look at Joe's body, you know, it was over fifty, and you look at Dave's, and you're like, "There's a fucking difference there, right? Don't work out once every two weeks." Yeah, I, I'm with you. That's why, like, I I put myself through exercise. I I didn't want to be that guy. Oh, I'm gonna just talk about like some research papers and talk at it, talk at you while you're just like throwing up weight. I'm gonna just like I'm just like watching, like oh, cool, <laughs> right? Like I I didn't want to be that guy, and I think just spending time with like people in the in the ring, right? It's like I'm I I'm never gonna you know be a fighter or like a professional athlete, but I want to have that empathy, that understanding, at least that personal challenge of understanding as close to mimicry of that experience, just so I have a better empathy towards people that I respect. Yeah. Yeah. And I still, I mean, I still love having the, the, I don't want to get brain damage and I'm certainly not paid to fight or anything like that, but every now and then I'll spar again just because it's fun. So we can actually, here's the test, right? Here's the real life situation where, um, actually have punches coming back in my face. And that, that takes a little bit more endurance and a little bit more, uh, finding my center than hitting a bag does, right? Like it's a different fucking experience. And, uh, yeah, I was telling you beforehand, I had a workout with Tim Kennedy. We work my workout, you know, once every, once a quarter, you know, he'll, he'll hit me. I'll be like, Hey man, we're going to this gym or let's do this thing. And I'm like, yeah, it actually works with my schedule. Let's do it. 
and uh, went to this new boxing gym. And I had it was early in the morning, so I had fasted. I had like a little bit of coffee. And I, and I ended up having some HVMN right before I went because I was like, fuck, man, if I'm going to be fasted, let me get this. And he's big on the <laughs> on the EMOMs and uh, high-intensity intervals and Tabatas. And like the warm-up had me fucked. Like I burnt through all glycogen. I was fucking like, man, I can barely keep my hands up. And then the ketones kick in. And slowly but surely, I get more and more endurance while I'm on the bags. And then when we were sparring, I was breathing through my fucking nose. Like it was a cakewalk at the end of the hour. Yeah. And it was a full fucking hour. Like anyone who works out with Tim, like you're not... There's no part of that workout where you're like, cool, now I get to rest. Yeah. You know? So I was like, that was, that was a true testament. Is that I'm not doing that, you know, often. But then to get to see that the proof's in the pudding, all right? If I do have a big test, yeah. this shit works when it matters. You know, yeah, and that's that's a big cool fucking deal. Yeah. 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 No, I mean I yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just gonna say that, like, yeah, I did work out with him yesterday. And it's like, yeah, the, <laughs> you know. I mean, we, we we need more Tim's in our lives, right? Like, yeah. is someone just like, hey, keeping you on that accountable for like that rest period. I think too many of us um, will show up to the gym just like we show up to our work and just kind of check in and check out. Like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to like take an extra five minutes and check my Twitter and post something versus like every minute on the minute. All right, we're doing 30 sets of this. Oh yeah. I was like, I was like, fuck, I'm gassed after just <laughs> 30 rounds of this EMOM stuff. Um, yeah, no, I think we need all. We all need like our inner Tim's. Be no, be accountable. Have the timer on. Look at it and just be like, you know, you're fucking doing it. Part of that is the tribe, though, right? Like, like yeah. you're feeding off each other. I remember when I finished ASU football. I was it was one of the most depressed times in my life, and you know, I went from having a hundred guys in the weight room screaming when I was coming up from from a squat, right? Yeah. Like, fucking get up, Grizz. It was Grizzly Adams. I had this giant beard. They call me Grizz for short, and I'm like, get the fuck up, Grizz. And you're just like, Aah! with music just blasting in the ASU weight room. Yep to now I'm at 24 hour fitness by myself and it's like masturbation. Like look at there is, it's, it's, it's night and day different. There's yeah. no one there. I'm fucking got headphones in, uh, some guy's upset cause he wants to use the bench that I'm on. You know, it's like, there's just a different vibe. Right. Yeah. So, but if you can figure out ways to surround yourself by people that inspire you like Tim or who, or any other situation, wherever you live, like that makes such a big difference. Yeah. Such a big difference. And that's like, again, it goes back to the energy and the treatment community that like, I think is like not very quantifiable by some, like how, oh, like measure the vibes in this room. And it's like, uh, what, we're going to try to measure some like electrical magnetic fields that are emanating off of us and trying to quantify that. Like, I don't know, maybe it's something there, but- Hey, heart math's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, but I think that's like the point where it's like, there's something clearly there when you're experiencing for like, yeah, you have a hundred of your boys cheering you on. You're going to like fucking push that extra little bit to like get that weight up. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because there, no, there's, a, there's a ton going on and maybe there isn't updates because it moves at the speed of science. So, yeah. but um, one thing that drew me was, you know, my, my, I've had on my father's side, I've lost two different people, uh, great grandmother and uh, my great uncle to Alzheimer's. Yep. And there's been a lot of look at the ketogenic diet with type three diabetes or, you know, some of the de neurodegenerative diseases and things like that. I forget the name of the book. Uh, I should find it if I'm going to talk about this, but um there was one psychologist who cured schizophrenia with a with a longer term nutritional ketosis diet. Yep. Two, he did two n equals one. Yep. Right. So like this this is something that's uncurable. Yep. Right. So, so it's like when we're looking at whether it's psychological issues or neurodegenerative diseases, there's something that is a standout, and it's non medical, and it's and it's some form of fasting, you know, yeah. caloric restriction, things like that, and then ketones as well. Yes. Uh, my research, our research lead, Dr. Latmansor, and I actually have we're getting approved for a frontiers in psychiatry paper around applications of ketones for psychiatric disorder, actually. So this is actually something super top of mind. So I think, yeah, just to, you know, make sure we're not like 
totally just not talking about ketones. So I think a lot of like the popular knowledge around ketones has been around athletic endurance. And I think the merging, and I think a lot of your applications and also the recovery side, how do you get, you got better in performance on endurance perspective. Um, but I think like the deeper, and I think the most personally interesting applications of ketones exactly relate to neurological conditions. Um, I think especially with Alzheimer's and, and this notion of it being type three diabetes, essentially when you look at the Alzheimer's brain in a brain scan, there's less glucose uptake, less sugar uptake in the brain. And the etiology there is that there is insulin resistance in neurons. You need more and more insulin to pass glucose into the cells of, of your brain cells to then fuel it. Um, that's exactly what diabetes, type two diabetes is of the body. Uh, you, you, you need more and more insulin to have the same amount of energy, sugar, in the form of sugar going to your cells. But what if you could have an alternate substrate that does not require insulin to pass energy into these cells? And that's where ketones comes in. Um, so like there's, I think early, like there's a bunch of early data around like MCT oils, ketogenic diet, fasting as like early adjuncts for Alzheimer's. And there's actually an NIH study going on around exogenous ketones um, that has been going on for a, a, during COVID. So I need to actually follow up on that because I think that the recruitment kind of stopped. Like a lot of research studies mm -hmm. actually stopped during COVID. Um, but I think that is actually one of the most exciting applications as well as TBI and concussion. So the interesting thing about a TBI concussed brain, it actually looks very similar profile as an Alzheimer's brain. Same issue. When you get an immediate uh, uh, acute hit to the brain, your brain starts inflaming and to suppress inflammation, the neuron shuts down glucose uptake. So there's actually an inhibition of, again, of energy going into your brain. Uh, so the penumbra, like the surrounding damaged tissue of neurons. So like there's going to be some dead neurons that are just dead. You cannot recover them. But there's like these damaged uh, neurons that are recoverable and it requires energy to heal. But there's no glucose in that brain. Uh, all those penumbra damaged tissue continue to die. So if you have an alternate substrate like ketones that cross the blood-brain barrier, act really quickly, don't require insulin to act, can you recover? So there's actually really good data out of UCLA uh, on a rat model where they were dropping like controlled weights onto a mouse they did, they skull. They did some fucked up studies. <laughs> that, 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 so, yeah. Thank you. Sorry sorry to the mice and the rats. <laughs> so, and then but the, basically the brain energy deficit was like recovered and like the overall activity in the brain, it was uh, much superior on ketones also lactate versus control. So actually, you know, I, have, I, I co-authored a paper in, uh, in Fraternity of Neuroscience actually talking about how ketones are an interesting substrate, but also lactate. Uh, it's also, it's like a, you know, we hear about lactate in the form of lactic acid, but it's actually, you know, uh, an alternate substrate that like fluxes really rapidly when you're doing workouts. It's recyclable, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I think a lot of like this notion of like, lactic acid being bad, it's actually just fluxing in and like back and forth. So it's like it recycles very, very quickly. And lactate is actually like an interesting fuel for the brain as well. Um, so there's a lot of like, actually like, I think Rhonda Patrick was talking a lot about how like the lactate and ketones have interesting parallels. But I think long story short is that I think the TBI concussed brain actually may have a much more related etiology as an Alzheimer's brain. And they all are in some effect caused by brain energy deficit caused by glucose uptake issues in the brain, either through insulin or any other something along the metabolic pathway. Can you have a rescue pathway that's separate from that pathway 
to refuel and re-energize the brain. Yeah, it's big. When uh, my son, when he was, he's eight and he's going to be eight in a couple of months. When he was three, we were away to, uh, my wife and I were away at a fit for service event. And um, my, I got a call from my, my mom that Bear had a really bad concussion. He was actually at uh, the ICU at Stanford. I was like, fuck, what happened? And he was climbing at, they were, my sister took him to a play place. He was climbing up on the cubby holes where you put your socks and shoes, no pads there, just concrete. And he fell straight back and he got a hairline fracture. We were fucking besides ourselves. Fuck, like we yeah. flew home the next day. Um, but in Tulum, I was sitting right next to Dr. Dan Engel, who wrote the concussion repair manual and Dr. Craig Conover, both have been on the podcast multiple times. And immediately they said the same thing, like full spectrum CBD. This is kind of a microdose of THC, which is neuroprotective ketones. If you'll have them and, uh, you know, just load a little MCTs on whatever he's eating, you know, in his oatmeal or whatever like that and, and see, cause that'll convert pretty quickly. And in, it's N equals one, but in three days he was a hundred percent. He was literally a hundred percent. And then for six weeks we had to be like, Hey, you can't run. We can't wrestle. Like you can't re- get re-injured in that time. Right. That's even worse. So there's something where I just, and of course he's young and, and eats healthy, but like he bounced back so quickly. And I was like, that's, it was pretty, you know, I felt like uh, a gift sitting next to these people as the shit went down, you know, because they had the resources to figure that out. I'm glad it's happy. I mean, that's scary. Shit. Yeah. 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 Super scary. But yeah, I, th- I think about that, you know, like with, with all of the people coming back and, and the, the, the piss poor job of the VA, you know, like figure, trying to figure out what to do with people who front on every level, because there's, there's hardware damage to the military operators that's undeniable, right? It's like, what's the best move for them to work on hardware? And there's a lot of software shit too, you know? And I think that's where plant medicines come in. But at the same time, um, ketones could really be some form of a miracle for for a lot of people that are suffering from hardware and software issues yeah. with the brain. Or at the very least, an adjunct to apply as a part of like an overall nutritional package, right? I mean, I think, we actually recently brought on uh, Brian Ray, who served 20 years in the U.S. Army, 15 years in special operations. His last billet was actually running the Advanced Special Warfare Mountain School out in Fort Carson. So was like the subject matter expert for advanced mountain fighting for all of SOCOM. Um, and I think he, he, he like one, I'm honored to work, have him work with us, but I think it just didn't even come from like a business side. Like, I think he really saw that all his brothers in arms all took damage to the brain. Like they all have, like, like no one really after 20 years, like gets out of war unscathed, especially with TBI concussions and all, all that kind of impact on the body. And I think that it just really feels like it has accelerated over the last, I would say three, five years where ketones, other modalities, plant medicine, I think it will have to be just standard of care very, very shortly. Like you just can't have like some of the best and brightest of our country going through, you know, GWAT, wanting to kill themselves all the time. I mean, it just, it's like, it's like literally sad. Like you just, you, I talk to veteran friends and like every now and then like, yeah, I had to like go talk down my guy because he was going to kill, shoot himself. I was like, yeah. fuck dude. Like, well, I mean, you hear what they're prescribing. It's like, that's not going to help anything. You yeah. Know? Like fucking nothing, you know? And then they it's, know that. So it's, it's like, they're just like, they're just like thrown out and like, yeah. And again, I, I, like you don't want to denigrate like people's efforts. I think people like in, you know, in the traditional or tr- want to do well for these guys, but it like the, the results are pretty clear that it's it, the, those ex- like you can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. Yeah, like whatever is the status center of care is not really great for people. Are you? I'm sure you're familiar with with the um, what is it the metab- metabolic theory of cancer and yeah. a lot of that stuff. What is being? Is there any any research now that's going on around ketogenic diets yeah. and certain forms of cancer? Yeah, I mean, I think 
you know, our, our mutual friend Dom D'Agostino is probably like the most active researcher in that space. So kind of the interesting things that I, w- I would highlight with cancer and ketones are that there's actually different subtypes of ketone bodies. So there's D-beta-hydroxybutyrate, which is the primary form of ketones that actually gets converted to acetoacetate before it goes into uh, uh, the Krebs cycle. So you can- So create- it's going to enter the whole thing will be acetoacetate? Or is so, there yeah, some- Yeah, DBHB there- converts to acetoacetate, okay. which turns okay. into acetoCoA, and then it goes into the Krebs cycle. And there's like different ratios that happen when you're doing ketogenic diet or different forms of exogenous ketones. So I think some of the subtlety or the chemical engineering side of house is that there are ketone esters that have D-beta-hydroxybutyrate or uh, butane diol or ketone diols. There's acetoacetate esters. There's like MCT oil esters. So I think the, like the amount of technologies are increasing quite rapidly. And I still think a lot of the common language is calling them all the same thing. Um, but there are like, like the Warburg theory is that like, like most, like many forms of cancer are very glycolytic, meaning that they cannot uh, do uh, respiration, meaning uh, like the more efficient form of generating ATP is oxygen plus uh, acetyl-CoA. You generate like 34, 36 ATP. Um, uh, fermentation or basically non-anaerobic, uh, this is aerobic versus anaerobic uh, metabolism. Anaerobic is you don't need oxygen. It's much less efficient. So the idea for these anaerobic uh, cancer cells is that they, they, they go to a more primitive form of metabolism. So they're very uh, kind of primal and like almost like turning to like single cell bacteria and they constantly uh, uh, regenerate and, and, and replicate. So like that is what a cancer is, like something that's just like growing and unformed. It's like a mass in your body. It's doing its own thing. It's at its own pace. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for those types of cancers, there's early work such showing that ketones, ketogenic diets could, are useful for that type of uh, cancer because you essentially starve out the carbohydrate, the glucose load, take as much carbohydrate out of the diet and then fuel your healthy cells with ketones, which can only be uh, metabolized aerobically. And then you kind of shrink and starve that cancer. But that said, there are forms of cancers that also like, for some reason, also can metabolize ketones. So like you don't, I think certain types of brain cancers have that sort of effect. So um, yeah, Dom would be the, 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 the expert in the space on, on the specific types of cancers and, and glastobliomas and, and all, all, these, all these subtleties. But I think if there is like a, a anaerobic respiration type cancer, I think that a ketogenic approach could be valuable. Cool. Cool. Where, where have you guys, I mean, you, you're, you're looking at all sorts of shit from the performance side and, uh, and obviously, you know, now looking at different medical aspects of, of where the application of ketones can go. Are there, is there anything that, that goes outside of the cancer space or uh, neurodegenerative space that you guys have, have some, some promise in that you, you're looking into? Yeah. Um, I think we're, t- we're talking about this like off, camera like a few months back but i've ha- i've not tried this but i've heard just anecdotal interesting stories around stacking ketones and plant medicine I'm, I'm, I, I can't answer that now but i will be able to answer that <laughs> next month <laughs> because like my understanding of like a lot of these ceremonies that you have to you eat a pretty clean purified diet and you're oftentimes not able to hold a lot of food down because you're you know purging and, and whatnot and that to me shows that like you're probably getting the ketosis at some point in that you know a multi-day multi-day ceremony, um, and your brain might be relatively fatigued in terms of just deprived of fuel. 
but you have like a very quick bolus of energy in the form of ketones. Like the anecdote I heard was from this, I actually, I, I, I need to like go find this guy again because he was like one of the best squirrel suit jumper, like crazy dudes um, in the world. And he was pretty fucked up. He, he basically said like, hey, like this is like the highest death rate of any sport, like 20% of us die. So we're always dealing with shit. So he's like, he's experimenting all the plant medicine stuff and then doing this stuff. And like a lot of the people that do that sport are like adrenaline junkies that come from special operations. And yeah, like that death rate is like just actually legitimately super high. Like a lot of people die. Um, and he was like telling me the story. Like he was in San Francisco at the time. I've lost touch with him. I, I, hopefully he's still around. But I would love to like just like actually piece back like some of the, his experimentation to see, you know, exactly what his protocols were. But he was saying that like he was feeling like almost euphoric combining these things together. Yeah. So, well, there can't I mean euphoria is an aspect of when you're talking about something challenging like ayahuasca, it's certainly not the only thing you experience. Yeah, it's yeah. not a fucking party, right? Yeah. Um, but that makes a lot of sense. You know, it was, uh, I was at Soltara in 2019 and they said that you, know, you can fast if you want. You're going to have, you know, it's going to change how much medicine you drink and things like that. But there is, there is an aspect to working with that particular medicine where fasting's um, a benefit. And, that makes sense to me, you know, especially considering like you, the pure, the purifying of the body through dieta that could be six weeks, it could be six months, or it might just be six days beforehand. But either way, there is some level of that. Like I'm going to strip away and in part, that's how you pay it forward, you know, so that your ceremony um, is able to, to, the medicine's actually able to do the work that you're there for with your intention. Um, but I'm very curious about that. And I will be guinea pigging this uh, like mid-April. Okay. So I'm very, Let me know. I'm actually excited. super, super curious because yeah. I think, I, again, I, I've not tried plant medicine, but I'm very, very open-minded to it. And I think I am like tentative to be like, I don't want to just like throw it out there because I know there's like a lot of just like oral tradition and like practices around it. So like adding something that like probably wasn't there naturally, I don't want to like fuck people's, people up. But like, I, it would be interesting to like more study. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, and that's, the thing is, I mean, the fact that fasting is okay tells me that ketones are okay. Yeah. You know, and um and yeah, there's, there's a lot of old school thought. Like, you know, you don't have any oils, no refined processed food, no protein powder, even if it's good for you. You don't have any of that shit right, right before. And you don't even have salt. So I, under, I understand that aspect of it too. But I think, um, yeah, the energetics of ketones, even, even the ability to go without food longer if you're supplementing with exogenous ketones would be really cool because yeah. then you could, you could actually manage that. And, you yeah. know, like a lot of Dom's work on uh, how ketones are a huge benefit when you're not, when you're not optimizing your sleep. Yeah. Like, so for special operators, or if you're drinking at nine, you know, drinking your first cup at 9 p.m. and not going to bed until 3 a.m., right? While you're drinking ayahuasca, that seems like it would, it would really help with some of the mitigation around sleep and things like that. Yeah, I so. think that, and, you know, that you mentioned it. I think that's actually probably one of like the more interesting, another application area that we're studying is ketones and sleep. So there's been a lot of just HRV aura ring whoop data that shows that on, you know, it would do like a 10 gram dose of ketones before bed and you'll have higher HRV data, which is interesting. And it, it kind of makes sense in the sense that like if you're in ketosis and you're sleeping, um, that is pretty protein and muscle sparing. There's some like just benefits from a metabolism perspective so you can recover faster. So I'd love to just see some RCT data around that as well. Yeah, that and that's what I think where cool. ketones are like super wild because like, hey, we're talking about like athletic endurance. Now we're talking about TBI concussion and Alzheimer's and maybe sleep. So I think that's where I think people like, why does this potentially do everything? And it's like, well, the way I think about ketones is that it really should be thought of as like a fourth macronutrient, right? So there's protein, fat, carbohydrate, 
These are the only things in your food label that have calories. Things like vitamin D, calcium, they are, they are micronutrients. They don't have calories. They don't produce ATP, but they are enzymes or coenzymes that allow, allow you to be more efficient either as building muscle or creating ATP. But the actual substrate that can, gets converted literally into ATP has to come from a macronutrient, protein, fat, carb. But ketones is really just like a new paintbrush color that you add to the three. So it's like you can have a very different metabolic profile when you have ketones adding like a fourth color. Like if you can only paint with red, green, blue, but now we have like this fourth additional color, can we paint with something more beautiful? So that's like, that's why like it makes much more sense to me. Like why is this so interesting for so many different applications? Well, it's actually just kind of a new like nutritional primitive. Mm. Uh, it has some of the attributes of fat in the, in, the, in the metabolism, meaning that it does not require insulin, does not trigger M, like, like, you know, mTOR AMPK. And it's similar to glucose because it's fast acting and it's a preferred fuel um, while not triggering insulin, right? So like you get like some of the different attributes of fat and carbs in like its own form. And like that likely if you have a, like a new letter in an alphabet or like a new number, it's like, okay, well, you can do like things that you wouldn't normally yeah, be able what to can do. We do. Just adding one, but you yeah. only had three. So that's, that's a pretty significant thing to add one when yeah. you only had three to begin yeah. with. What have you seen around anything with the microbiome? I remember originally uh, some of the stuff that had come out were that nutritional ketosis would actually shift the microbiome in a way to where it would create more GABA than glutamate. So yep. as far as the parent neurochemicals, glutamate being excitatory and uh, GABA being relaxing yep. and centering, you know, a lot of people fucking take GABA pentin and different forms of that, yeah. pH GABA, whatever. But if your body was creating more of that, it seems like that would be a good a good way to sleep better, that, more that, effectively. That, no, that, just that's feel super more interesting. Calm. I've been thinking about that pathway from more of like a caffeine adjunct or a caffeine replacement. Because I think I don't have that many vices, but I think just being overly caffeinated is probably like my, one of my biggest vices. So I've been thinking, okay, can I rotate caffeine with ketones, maybe having nicotine lozenges and just like cycle back and forth. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely applications in terms of just like, how do you, you know, not be, I think that's probably one of the larger problems in our society. Everyone's always just like ripping too much coffee or energy drinks. So I think that's an interesting application. Um, I think there's, I know that in the microbiome that there's certain gut bacteria that really like short-chain fatty acids that seem to be very beneficial. There's like a lot of these like butyrates that are very popular, but I don't actually don't think that anyone has studied ketone dials, ketone, like ketones in the gut. I think a lot of the research applications have been much more functional endpoints. Um, so that would be like a great like PhD thesis around yeah, for, like, really for someone cool. like, I actually, I, I would say that I'm pretty up to speed on the literature of this space. And I, I, I would say like, I don't think anyone is actively looking at ketones and microbiome. I think that would be like a very interesting area. It'd be very cool. Yeah, if you, you, the, what you just mentioned with butyrate and some of the, the shorter carbon chain is that there, a lot of those first get reabsorbed into the intestines. Like yeah. the, the, the local area, if they want it, they say, oh, give me that. Yeah. Give me it back. Like the microbiome produces it. And then locally, it's going to say, all right, let's do that to, to make our, our junctions a little tighter. Let's actually shore up uh, the intestinal wall or, or help the microvilli. And so it gets used locally. And then it goes out systemically and is anti-inflammatory and does a number of other cool things. But it'd be 
be cool to see, is it being used locally as well as systemically, yeah. right? Is this only affecting the, the the brain brain or is it affecting the gut brain? Yeah. You know, how does that look? That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, it's at. also, in, if, imagine if you can like trace it. Because I think that's been, a lot of these tracer studies show exactly where this gets absorbed. So a lot of it goes into the heart and the brain actually. But it'd be interesting if you could trace if it's like, especially from a gut microbiome perspective, like where exactly, is it being uptick in the small intestine? That would be an interesting thing to look at. Oh yeah. Well, have they used methylene blue as a tracer? Because that, that'd be fucking rad because then you'd have the <laughs> benefits of methylene blue stacked with it. That's one of my favorite stacks. Yeah. A little well, methylene blue with ketones, just fucking rocket ship fuel. <laughs> well, usually you need to get like a radioactive isotope to track it, right? Because like methylene blue is a bigger molecule than the ketones themselves. Gotcha. So you want to actually be tracking like through rate, like a radioactive isotope within the molecule itself to exactly track where it goes. So I think that, uh, I mean, what do you think of methylene blue? I, I just remember like, like bumping, going to like some biohacker conferences and like meeting people with blue tongues. I'm like, you look like you ate a bunch of like candy or, or yeah, what? Yeah. Dr. Ted Achacoso is hilarious because he makes he makes the little lozenges, you know, and he's got like all these like- uh, With blue tongue. Blue, yeah, he's like yeah. a blue Papa Smurf or something like that. Yeah. You know, that's how you get the blue tongue. Um, I think at the right dose, it's a, it's a, it's amazing because similar to ketones, it's a nootropic as well as a performance enhancer, yeah. right? And there's not a whole lot of things that do that. Like nicotine's amazing to, to tune me in, sharpen my focus. If I'm learning or if I'm podcasting, it's a must have. Um, but when it comes to like something that tandems both for cognitive function and endurance as well as a uh, performance enhancement, methylene blue is right up there. Yeah. Yeah. Right up there. Yeah. Cool. I got it. Yeah. I think. I've been much more, I think nicotine, the data there is like actually quite robust. I think it's been overly demonized by vapes and, 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 and tobacco smoking. Yeah. I mean, well, the problem with vapes too is that you're inhaling oils and the lungs aren't necessarily very good at getting yeah. rid of that, right? Like even with Paul Check, who, like I mentioned earlier, um, he does a lot of, of vaping through a volcano bag. I mean, he uses yeah. really good high-end um, organic tobaccos and then we'll add some really good essential oils from essential oil wizardry where we can actually have like a... Um, like an extract of bobinsana, which is a plant medicine in the Amazon. Yeah. You can add in the elements of that or kava or just to change the feel and the experience of what's going into our yeah. bodies. It's like, if you're not working out or hitting the sauna, like it's very hard to excrete that. You're still going to have to get that out, right? Yeah. Through through breathing hard or, or hitting the sauna. And um, most people vaping just have no idea and they're constantly clogging. Yeah, you know? I, very little interest in that. I mean, I, bet, I think the data around nicotine around it being kind of a, Estrone esterase inhibitor. So like you, like there's some interesting, like kind of like, like actual physiological data, but also just like social commentary data where like there was just much more smoking back in the day. And like that actually elevates testosterone by blocking estrogen conversion, actually. Mm. It's like one of the side effects or a applications of nicotine. And also it's like anti-park, it's like, it's uh that, that pathway is Parkinson preventative. So like, People that were smokers had less incidences of Parkinson's. No shit. So like, there's like kind of like interesting like sociological impact. Where like, yeah, I think on net net like having people not smoke to, to cause lung cancer, all that stuff, probably net beneficial. But some of these like side effects. Well, it's what it is, you is, know. Like uh, you, you learn like we see some of these documentaries like what the health, and they're saying that you know eating a fucking egg is the same as smoking a pack of cigarettes. And it's nah. like, where are you? Yeah. Where are you getting this? Not you know where are you getting this from? Um, what you're studying actually matters, right? If all my meat studies are done on fucking McDonald's beef and factory farmed animals, yeah. it's not going to have the same outcome as like what we're doing here with regenerative agriculture. And, and organic tobacco, the way nature made it is completely different. And that's one of the things that drew me to it was the, the science of the application from a nootropic standpoint, but then also the fact that this was used um, 
across cultures in, in, indigenously. You know, yeah. a lot of people thought that that was the first plant medicine that spoke to the, the curanderos and taught them how to work with ayahuasca, right? This is the first bridge to the spirit world. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, in, in, in Northern and, and Central American indigenous cultures believe that was the bridge to the ancestors is the way that the prayers would be carried to all the things, you know, right. so that would be used, you know, in ceremony for those purposes. But there is... It, it is awesome. It's it's you know it's in a category where you know, I really treat that plant and hold it with the highest regard. But it's a it's a special one when you're using the right version of it. Yeah, and I think like the coffee bean is like a plant medicine in some extent too. It's just like no literally a friggin' bean that we grind up and turn into a soup. I mean, we but we all love it, and it's like it's very very socially acceptable. So like I think from my approach, I just like try to understand if I was an alien, I just drop in like okay, this plant medicine bean is like great and legal, and two billion cups are consumed a day. This plant medicine thing that you smoke, getting unpopular, and this other hot soup of you know a vine is straight up you know potentially you know illegal. Like if you're an alien dropping in, you're like, oh, like what's the difference between this bean and that bean and that vine and that leaf? It's like I don't know. Like what? Like there's actually no <laughs> technical difference from a other than like a regulatory legal human law perspective. So. I actually like exploring in that lane because then it's like the, the the thinking around it is constrained by human artifact, not by science or application. Yeah. yeah. And I think those are the most interesting places to like explore and, and think yeah. about. Yeah, I can tell you're curious. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe when we have this conversation next time you'll have jumped in. Yeah. <laughs> um dude, it's been absolutely great having you on the podcast. We'll do it. We'll do it again for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely love what you guys are doing at HVMN. Where can people find you? And uh, you know, of course, you guys are a sponsor. KKP at checkout will get you twenty percent off. But where can people find you if they want to connect with you online and see what you guys are doing? Yeah, uh, follow me personally, Jeffrey Wu, G E O F F R E Y W O O. Pretty active on Instagram and Twitter, and then HVMN. All of our channels are there. Awesome. Thank you so much, brother. Always it's been a great. pleasure, man. Oh yeah. <laughs>